good morning, everybody. Welcome to the new year. Aren't you excited? Do you have a good holiday? Well, that is awesome because mine really stunk. In fact, you uh, may wonder where some of the messages come from, especially when I preach like once every four months. They come from what God's doing in my life right now. And I got to be honest with you. In fact, I was talking to Schroet like right after the first service and uh, talking about our Christmases. And I was uh, telling him, and I'll tell you, it was just, (laughs) you know, I can't think of one worse. And you're thinking, you poor guy. Everyone, in fact, let's just get it all out right now. Everybody together say, oh, oh, thank you. I feel better. But, you know, we go to Texas twice a year to see my family, Karen's family, and COVID has kept us from going. And this, we were going, and COVID hit our home, and doggone it, we had to stay home. We've seen them once in two years, you know. And then... My daughter-in-law, who many of y'all have been praying for, gets some crazy, weird thing. Bacteria attacked her joints. She was in the hospital for for 10 days. I'm over here telling Schroederbald all this, by the way, and I'm just literally bawling. And I know David was like, man, I am so sorry I asked. But in any case, and uh, she finally came home, and she's literally walking on a walker uh, and... uh, and just barely getting around. In fact, uh, Jennifer, my daughter, she's a physical therapy assistant, and her husband, and her son, you know, they all had to help her to get from her home, which is just around the corner from ours, to get into my home so we could celebrate Christmas, which we celebrated yesterday. That was Christmas for us. Yeah. But it kills me to see what she's going through. I would do anything to make it stop, to make her able just to walk like she normally did. In fact, she was sitting there during Christmas, and she can, she can, can hardly get around, hardly move, and she told me, she goes, you know, I feel like a 60-year-old. I go, wait a minute. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's me. <laughs> well... I joke about it, but it has been, I mean, if you go, it has been, it has been difficult. I think Christmas Eve was the worst, no doubt. It was then that was determined we were not going to Texas. Uh, it was determined that she and my son were not coming home. They would be in the hospital through Christmas. My wife stayed home because my son was sick. So I was here, just me. And uh, I can remember, it was right up there in the balcony. I had uh, one of those uh, one of those pity parties, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, I was in the very back row so no one could see me. I mean, in the balcony, in the back, in a really dark spot. <laughs> and then I was just like, all right, I got to do Facebook. <laughs> so... And uh, it was a difficult time. And so God had put on my heart this message. And, and usually when I do a message, this is, you know, when I do a message, this is kind of like I want to do it. Kind of like Christmas. I want to give you a, a, a beautiful Christmas gift. So I, I get this truth from God's word, and I take it, and I want to put it in a pretty box and wrap it and just 
nice wrapping and then put a little bow on top and go, here, take this with you. And then you're all so appreciative and then we leave and everything's good. But this one is not going to be like that this morning and I am sorry. This is going to be like the Christmas gift you get from your grandma, you know what I mean? Yeah, where you want a toy, you want a ball and she gives you clothes. Something you need, not something that you want. Yeah, this, this, this message is going to be like, it's going to be like that. In a way, I wish it wasn't, but it's something that it's a, it's a, it's a gift, it's a message that we need to hear. Because life is not always easy. The mountains, right? The mountains don't always move. <laughs> I mean, can I tell you something? I have seen mountains move. I have. I have seen healing. I have seen financial miracles. I've seen all these different things that have occurred. But I've also had the mountain land squarely right on top of me. It feels like it smashed me flat. You know, I'd like to hear, I, let me just say, I love those testimonies. Believe me, I love those cancers. Someone said, man, I got cancer. I went to the doctor. And, whoo, they can't find it anymore. I am healed. I love those testimonies. Sometimes, I think it would help me a lot just to hear a testimony of someone said, you know, I've got cancer. I've had it for a couple of years and I still got it. But I'm putting my hope in God. No matter what happens, I am putting my hope in The truth is, our prayers don't always get answered the way we want them to, do they? And I love it when they do. But it's hard when they don't. We can't get unfired from the job. We can't bring that loved one back. We want to heal that loved one. That, that daughter-in-law, we want to say, be healed. And they get up and everything's fine. But that doesn't happen all the time. And I think the Christian world needs to hear that sometimes the mountains don't move the way we want them to. And what do we do then? What do you do when God doesn't answer your, your prayer the way you want him to? What do you do when you lose that job and you go and you find another one, but it's lower paying, lower benefits. It's not a higher paying job. Oh, I lost my job and now I got a corner office. It's not like that. But when you've lost that loved one, there's no way you can bring them back. What in the world do you do when that happens? They had a... Uh, a saying back in, oh, I mean, the Middle Ages, 1500s or whatever. They called it the dark night of the soul. And those times come upon us. And I'd be willing to bet about 100% have gone through that dark night. In fact, I believe a lot of you, I mean, with all the junk that is going on in this world and COVID and political, I just believe there's a lot of people right now walking through that dark night 
I know I've walked through it. And we need know, have to know how to get through it. Usually there's two responses, right? Okay, you, something happens like that's really tough, really difficult. You don't understand it. You're praying. God's not answering your prayer. And there's usually a couple of responses that we'll give. One of them is, okay, God, that's it. Forget it. If this is the way you treat your children, adios, amigo, I am out of here. And you've probably seen some people like that. You probably know some like that. And they check out. The other response is really kind of the one that I did. <laughs> it's called fake it till you make it, right? You heard that before? Yeah. In fact, I had some dear, wonderful senior adult ladies I just love so much. And Christmas Eve night, I'm over there at that other fireplace, and she comes up to me and says, Steve, is something wrong? You don't look like your normal happy self. And I lied to that lady. Oh, God, forgive me. I didn't see her today. I was going to apologize. I, I, I said, oh, it must be the mask. Doggone <laughs> oh, it. And so we fake it till we make it. We just like ignore it, thinking, oh, well, one day maybe something will happen. And then we put on the, the smile and we go on our way. And we never, we never uh, really deal with what's going on. Let me tell you, there's a third response. And God spoke to me through this passage. And that's why I want to share it with you because it helped. Man, it saved me. It's saving me right now. Because in Psalm 42, where we're going to be today, there is a battle going on. Man, you read the psalmist here in Psalm 42, and this is a favorite of many people, but this guy... We don't know who he is for sure, but he is going through a battle. We don't even know what the battle is, but it is a struggle like no other. And you see him going back and forth between faith and despair and faith and despair. And this battle goes on, and it goes on in our lives. It's a dark night of the soul, and it hurts. Don't let anyone kid you. Anyone that tells you that the Christian life, when once you're a Christian, it's smooth sailing from that person just lied to you. The most wonderful life, but I would say the most difficult life is the life of a believer on this fallen earth. And we see this psalmist as he struggles through this and he battles through this. And then here we see this third response, this hope in the night that we need to get through the dark night of our souls. And so let's read it now. Psalm 42, he says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy, giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will 
remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mahazar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas, your waves and surging tides that sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My Savior and my God, do you see the battle going on here? Could you feel it? As he goes from faith to, to doubt to questions, back to faith, back to doubt, back to questions, there's a struggle going on here. But in that struggle, he shows us how to survive that dark night of our souls. We all have battles. We all have them, but there are some that are, that are so intense that can only be described as the dark night of the soul. I want to first kind of see what that looks like. Some of you will identify with what that dark night looks like, but then we're going to look at the hope that is in the night. <laughs> because there is, let me assure you, there is hope in the night. But the first thing we see about this dark night of the soul is, is that there's, I can't find God. Where is God? I'm suffering here. I'm hurting here. Where is he? And that, in that dark night of the soul, we're looking for him and cannot find him. We search, we search. We want anything, a little glimpse, a little something, a little sign, but nothing. And here you see that in the psalmist. In fact, it's funny. Up until I was preparing for this message, up until that point, I would read Psalm 42 in that first verse, you know, as the deer longs for streams of water. I sang the song. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul panteth after thee. And I think about how lovely that is, how wonderful it is. But that's not the context here. I really didn't get that until preparing for this message. The context is, I'm longing for you. But I can't find you. Look at this. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? God, where are you? Man, I used to imagine those streams of water. As I saw that, I, I see this, you know, like a 10-point buck, Right? A lot of you hunters are already like salivating right now. But I see this 10-point buck, thirsty. Maybe, it, maybe it's chased by hunters, but it's tired, worn out. And it comes to this, this babbling stream, clear water, cool, clear water. And it gets to the edge, and as the water is just rippling over the rocks, it bends down and takes a big gulp of that water and it refreshes its very soul. But that is not the context here. The context is this deer is looking for water and it's going and it's going and it's going and it can't not 
find the streams. And the psalmist is saying, I long for you, God. I thirst for you, God. Where are you, God? And then to go even beyond that, he said, God, I can't even hear you. God, I'm, I'm speaking to you. I'm praying to you. Anything. Say, say, say boo. I don't care. I want to hear from you. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to experience this dark night? And you ask those questions and it's just silence. A deafening, heartbreaking silence. And that's what this psalmist is feeling. He can't find God. He can't hear God. To the point that he has lost hope. I mean, you look at verse 3. He says, day and night I only have tears for my food. You ever, you ever been like that? I Probably not all of you have been. There's some days when, when the hurt is so bad. The tears are so plentiful. You don't even want food. You don't care about food. You just want to answer. God, do something. And that's where he is. He's lost hope. God, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. The only thing he can really hear is the taunt of the enemy. The enemy is saying, where's your God? You know? I thought he loved you. He hears that loud and clear. Now, in the psalmist, this may be an actual person. But for sure, it was beyond that. Because he says all day long, he's hearing these taunts. What I think is happening is that he's getting alone and the enemy is coming to you. You know, we have a spiritual enemy, right? Did you know that? You know we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against worldly forces of this darkness who wage war against our soul. And they come to us during those dark nights of that soul and they say, where is your God? I thought he loved you. Look at how he treats you. And then the hope meter just goes down. Now, there is nothing, listen, there's nothing worse than hopelessness. Nothing. When a person's lost hope, that's just the worst. But on that, he has regret. You know, look at verse 4. What's he doing? He's looking back at yesterday. My heart's breaking as I remember how it used to be. So many people have done that. They look back to how it used to be. Oh, back when I was happy. Back before I made the stupid decision that got me into this place. Living with regret. Because of where they are. I heard one guy talk about regret. And it, just, it just pierced my heart. It was so sad. An older man. An older man looking in the mirror. Think about this. An older man looking in the mirror. In the mirror he sees a young boy looking back at him. And the young boy in that mirror speaks to him. Oh. What might have been. How crushing. That is a lie from the enemy. To make you believe that you have no hope. That you have no more purpose. And I believe that, that emotion, that thought is prevalent. Very prevalent. I mean, yeah, everyone's heard of the Beatles, right? God, please tell me you've heard of the Beatles or I'm going to feel so old. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I might be 60 or something. Anyway, he says uh, they had a song that they wrote. 
that was one of their most popular songs. Why? Because I think people identified with this song. Written by Paul McCartney's title was Yesterday. I'll just read a few of the words. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. Let me tell you, that type of regret, that is a weapon from the enemy. I guarantee someone like Paul, Paul the Apostle, Paul in the Acts, Paul who murdered people, who stink and persecuted the church, that man would have had regrets. But you know what he said? As he came, as he was in Christ, as he was said, he said, forgetting, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live with regret. If you're breathing, breath is coming into your lungs, then you have a purpose. God has a purpose for you. Don't live with a regret. But also the problem is he has no control. Look at verse 7. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. I just imagine someone in the middle of the ocean, right? Huge waves coming. They're swimming. There's no land in sight. What are they going to do? No hope. There's nothing they can do. No control. I mean, what I'd love to be able to do, what I would love to be able to do is is say to my daughter-in-law, be healed. And she'd be healed. But I can't. I have no control over this stinking thing. None. Zero whatsoever. And sometimes it's like that for you. You can't get... The person healed, I mean, that you want to be healed. You can't bring that person back that you lost. You can't cause that wayward child to come back home. You can't get the boss to unfire you. You cannot have that baby that you've longed for as much as you've tried. All these things swirling around us that cause these dark nights. And one of the problems that we have is that we have no control. We There's nothing we can do. And then look at him. He's physically and emotionally broken. Verses 9 and 10, he says, oh, God, my rock, I cry. Listen to this. Why have you forgotten me? Why have you? His emotions are raw. They're broken. We live in a broken world, and all these things are coming around. He goes, why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Look, it's even physical. Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? He has no strength physically. He's emotionally exhausted. Probably just wants to stay in bed. Pull the covers up. Close the drapes and the blinds. Turn off the lights. And just hide. Have you been there before? Well, if not, I've got good news for you. You will be one day. (laughs) 
Because Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have hurt. You will have dark nights of the soul. This is not heaven. This is a battlefield. And we're on the battlefield. And you can't forget that. So what do we do? What do you do when you're walking? You're walking through it right now. What do you do? You can't change the circumstances. So what in the world did you do? Well, let's look at what the psalmist does. The first thing he does is he challenges his emotions. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? See, if you want hope in the night, the first thing you have to do is you've got to deal with them emotions, don't you? Huh? I mean, I love when people say, oh, you know what I think in the church? We just need to be more real. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, oh, come on, please. Would you have liked me to be in real on Christmas Eve? Hey, Steve, Merry Christmas. Why so merry about it? <laughs> just being real. <laughs> no, we don't, I don't want to be real, we want to be spiritual, right? We want to be spiritual, we don't want to act out of our flesh, be real, but we want to act out of our spirit, out of the spirit of God. We have to challenge those emotions. It's amazing that Joshua, y'all remember Joshua, the guy who went into the promised land with the children of Israel, and he went and defeated Jericho, great day, wonderful day, Jericho defeated, then he went and fought this little bitty town called Ai, little small town, went over there, and man, they kicked their tails, they, Ai beat them, whooped them, and Joshua was shocked, now listen, Joshua, hero of the Old Testament, listen to his prayer, oh God, why did you even bring us here, why did you leave us on the other side of the Jordan, <laughs> And you know what God told him? Get up. That's the first thing he told him. Get up. And that's some good advice for a lot of us who are stuck in our beds, covers over our head, trying to escape the world. And God says to us, first thing, get up and challenge those emotions. Don't you dare believe them. Emotions are horrible leaders. Right? You need to challenge those emotions. You need to talk about it. It's what he does. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? You know, Elijah, the same thing. Elijah, he has this great victory over the prophets of Baal. Then Jezebel says, boy, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah runs for his life. Gets to a little riverside. Here's his prayer. Oh, God, it's enough. Just go ahead and kill me. Spiritual hero right here. You know what God told him? First thing God told him. You know what he told him? Get up. <laughs> Dude, don't you be believing them emotions. You lead those emotions. Don't you let them lead you. The first thing you've got to do is challenge your emotions. But then where does he, where does he put his hope then? Well, it says, I will put my hope in God. He finds hope in God. Now, notice one thing he didn't say here. I find hope in the answer to my prayer. That's where most people think. Like, well, man, when God answers my prayer, then I'll be happy. No, you put your hope in God regardless of the answer to the prayer. You put your hope in him right now because the important thing is, is that you're taking all your hope, all your faith, and putting it in that one who is the anchor who will never, ever fail you just like we sang. You may not get the answer that you want. There's plenty of you in here that have not gotten the answer to the prayer that you wanted. But God hadn't changed. God is still who he is, one who loves you infinitely. And you can put your hope in him. So find hope in God. Another thing he does that's so important in the dark night of souls, he says, I will praise him. 
Now, and some of you says, I will praise him again. Some of you will say, I praise him still. That Hebrew word is the word oh, which it's a word of continuance. So it almost would be like this. I will praise him again and again and again and again. Or if it's still, like I will praise him still. I praised him before. Now I'm in this dark night of the soul, and I will continue to praise him. And what I say to a lot of people is, look, you're going through a dark night. You're going through a difficult time. Praise him. I don't feel like praising him. I don't care. Praise him. You don't let your feelings lead you. When you praise him, you take your eyes off the horrible dark night. You put them on him who is the light of the world. And problems do look smaller when compared next to him. So you put your eyes on him. And the other thing, he addresses God as, as my Savior. Now, what does it take to be a Savior? He says, I put my hope in you, my Savior. What does it take to be a Savior? Well, it takes a cross. That's what it takes. And what I would tell you is if you're suffering, if you're going through that dark night, linger at the cross. Look upon the perfect son of God suffering there for you. The one who committed no sin deserved no punishment like that, yet hung on the cross for you. The psalmist here is saying, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? But Jesus is the only one who could have said that. And say it truthfully when he said from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look, he has suffered. And I want you to understand, he understands your suffering. No one understands your suffering. No one understands your dark night of the soul like he does. And you can go to him. And he understands. And he knows. And he will sustain you through that time. You know, Paul says, um, Philippians 3.10, he says, he goes, oh, that I may know Christ. And we're all with him there, right? Oh, I want to know him, don't you? Oh, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Do you want to know the fellowship of his sufferings? What does he even mean by that? Well, let me give you a little hint. My wife had, about a year ago, knee replacement surgery, right? I mean, they went and did the whole thing. She got the drugs. She did the therapy. She had the pain, all of it. I was there to watch her. And, uh, uh, but it's interesting. When Rocky, who, you know, had double knee replacement surgery. So when he comes in the office and, and talks, you know, about it with her, it's like, oh, they're just talking, 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 you know. It's like they're in the club, you know what I mean? How many of y'all have had knee replacements here? Anybody here? How many of y'all have knees here? Okay, y'all are listening, good. Okay, yeah, so if you've had a knee replacement and you come around somebody that's had a knee replacement, what do you do? And you just go back and forth because you're in the club, you understand, you've suffered, you understand it all and you talk and it's just like there's a camaraderie there. That's what it is with us in Jesus. He suffered, he has suffered like no other. We like the names of, of God, the names of Jesus in the Bible. Well, one of his names, guess what it is? Man of sorrows. In fact, there's a beautiful hymn that goes, man of sorrows, what a name. For the son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a savior. Whatever suffering that you're going through, he understands. So linger at the cross. 
Because there is someone at the cross who suffered like you did, yet, yet resurrected so he can enter your suffering with you. The other thing I would say is cling to your relationship. It's interesting how many times this word my is used. Verse 5, my Savior, my God. Verse 6, I will remember you. Verse 9, my rock. And again in verse 11, my Savior, my God. He had a personal relationship with God and he was clinging to it. One of the things that's so important in the dark nights of our soul is that while you're having this struggle, while you're having this uh, wrestling match, is that you hold on to God and you don't let go. You know him. You love him. Then you hold on to him. You don't understand? Fine. Hold on to him. Why is this happening to me, God? I don't know. Hold on to him and never let go. You have a relationship with the creator of the universe, with the redeemer of your soul. And while you don't know what's going on, you hold on to him. Many times I've said, when you don't know what's going on, hold on to what you do know. And what you do know is that he loves you, man. And he is with you. And he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. So you hold on to him. And then finally, just obsess on his goodness. It is amazing to me. Verse 8. It just comes like stinking out of nowhere. You know, all these troubles that the psalmist is having. And then verse 8, but each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. It's here he begins to show his gratefulness and gratitude for God. It's here he begins to praise him. It's here he begins to look to God. He sings his songs. He sings his songs when? In the night. He doesn't pray to a God that's abandoned him. He doesn't pray to a God who doesn't speak. He doesn't let his emotions control him. He prays to a God. Listen, look at that. He prays to a God who gives him life. Jesus is the one who gives real life, true life. I've come that you might have life, have it abundantly, even in those dark nights. Jesus has overcome the world, so we do not give up. We do not lose heart. That's really what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now get this. Catch this. Verse 18. So we fix our eyes, not what on, is, on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Hope in God, even if nothing is resolved. Fix your eyes on that which is not seen. Now, the problems, the tribulations, they're there. You see them. You can't ignore them. They are there, but they are temporary. What is not seen God's redemption, God's salvation, complete, heaven, those are not seen, but that is where you are to fix your eyes when you're walking in the darkness. You hold on. You hold on to your anchor. You remember, you remember God wherever you are. You remember him and who he is. And sometimes you just hold on. When 
the struggle is tough, when the battle's fierce, when you don't know what's going to happen, the one thing you do, hold on to him. God, I ask you, Lord, move in the lives of every single person gathered here this morning. Look, I want to I want to pray. If, if that's you this morning, this is your time right now. If that's you this morning, right now you're going through a dark night. Maybe it's, maybe it's not midnight. Maybe it's, maybe it's 3 a.m. Maybe it's 10 a.m. You haven't hit the pinnacle. But right now you're going through a struggle, a time, a tough time. And you say, right now I want to commit to God. I am going to hold on to him. And Steve, I want you to pray for me that I will never let go. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Put it up. Amen, amen. All across here, all up in the balcony, anybody. I said, right now, God, I'm holding on to you. Amen. Well, let's pray. I want to pray for you specifically because I know, I mean, this is the time for you. This is the time when the enemy will try to mess you up. This is the time. I want to pray. That God, that God draws you close to him, that he sustains you to hold on to him. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each person that raised their hands, each person that's walking through the dark night of their soul right now. God, I ask you, Lord, to reveal yourself to them. Draw them to yourself. And God, I pray that you would sustain them, that they would hold on to you and that they would never let go. God, that they would not let their emotions control them, but the truth of your word. And God, even when they can't hear you, even when they can't see you, they know that you're there. And God, you would help them all the way through. That they would never, ever let go. And I pray this in Jesus' name.